Do you have an idea for a product or book? Or are you ready to go beyond in-service presentations? Well, how do you get started? And what if you don't have any business experience at all? Well, I have some great news for you. I'm Mailing Chan, and I'm getting the nitty-gritty stories from parents, teachers, therapists, advocates, and people with disabilities who have created successful businesses, and they're sharing their intimate stories with you. Listen to us on the Exceptional Leaders Podcast and fast-track creating and building and sharing your idea with the world so that you can help more people. Please listen carefully. What is communication? The act of taking a thought from my head and putting it into your essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. Usually what I have in my head to the outside world draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. I think it's the ability to share your innermost feelings and thoughts with others. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Time has come. Execute Order 66. Welcome to episode 66 of the Speech Science Podcast. My name is Matt Hot, and you can't see it, but we do these recordings (laughs) by video uh, over Zoom. And my favorite part was as that little intro was playing, watching Michelle and Michael trying to figure out where the heck I was going with Order 66 from Star Wars and then Chuck Berry's Route 66. I figured it out. This episode, I like it. Oh, I missed you guys. It's been a whole week since we since we podcast. Or I was going to say videoed together, and I just want to say that Speech Science Podcast. We are the number one podcast in the Brunei, Jerusalem area in educational tech. I'm just saying, number one there. Which area? I'm sorry. The Brunei, Jerusalem. I just wanted you to say it again. That's yeah, no small, problem. That's the name of a small town of 10 people. It might be. But we are number 11 in the U.S. in educational tech. So that's pretty cool. Well, somebody from there, come on. We'll give you a shout out. I want to hear from them. We're number one there. I want to know what we're doing wrong in Great Britain. We're number 210 in Great Britain, 16 in Canada, and 27 in Australia. Great Britain, what are we doing for you? Nothing. Evidently, we're not no. doing anything because we drive on the right. We have elevators and not lifts. We have buses and not lorries. And we open Mike was over there. Come boot. on. <laughs> Mike, what did you do? It's strange. It, it's, it, it's a nice place. It's a nice place, but uh, speech therapy is not really their thing. And I just realized I didn't start my recording on my side. So half my audio is missing and I'll pull it from the Zoom account. Pull it from mine. Oh, perfect. I can <laughs> do that. Let's start around the horn. Michelle, went to, or Michelle how has your week been? I'm doing pretty well over oh. here. Happy to see you guys again. And how's baby speech science? He is doing great. Growing out of clothes all the time. Trying to keep up with that. Are you ever going to go back to therapy? I mean, or just stay, or just stay home with baby time. speech science. <laughs> but no, I, I will. It's um, uh, Anyone listening can empathize with the waiting on licensure stuff because a lot of state boards meet once a month. So you hope they meet after you submit your paperwork and you got to wait till it gets through. 
odds are it probably comes in like the moment they leave the chamber. They're like, we got another one. We'll get it next month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but we're not going to be in Kentucky um, for too long. So, what? Um, not sure if it, it was only slated for a year. We're going to be here for probably two years now. Oh, okay. Breaking mm-hmm. news right here on Speech yeah, Science. Look at that. Michael McLeod, how's your week been? Are you, uh, how's research going? Going well. Uh, this is a, a difficult week because of uh, President's Day and some impending snow, so got a little break in the research action. Uh, we're recording this on President's Day, so today was definitely a very, very busy day in the practice. Uh, pretty much every parent, every family wanted to get in today uh, and kind of take the rest of the week easy, so today was a quite the hectic day. Fair enough. So you were working even though everybody else was off. Yes, sir. Lucky you. Aren't you glad you do that? Aren't you glad you're a private practice owner? <laughs> it was a good day. It was a good day. Can't complain. Fair enough. My weekend uh, filled in. I got to say the new thing. We have a brand new website. It's speechsciencepodcast.com. It'll directly link you to our friends over at the Exceptional Podcast Network, our XPN, or check us out at podcast.speechsciencepodcast.com. Dot com, which will then take you to our Podbean landing page, or of course, go over to patreon.com slash MWH Productions and say, or MWH Production and say, hey, I like speech science. I'm going to give them a dollar a month. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, I would say that. But number 11, I just wanted to celebrate that with you guys on air and then ask every listener to head over to our iTunes page and hit that five star or four star or three star, whatever you want to do, and review us. That helps us. Uh, make sure that what we're doing is what you want us to be doing. Um, personally, nothing too exciting happened over the week. Um, we had a gun threat at my high school. That was interesting. Um, and then the only other thing is I realized that how uh, unorganized I am in life, that I downloaded a Google Tasks. Have you seen this? Google Tasks? The no, app? No, I think so. Uh, it is a to-do list for your phone where you just type in everything you need to do. And I've had it since three o'clock. And since three o'clock, I have put in 23 things I need to be done before the end of the week. I'm so glad I wrote those down or I'd be so lost over the next couple of days. I, I love to-do lists. I also like to write things on the top of my to-do list that I already got done so I can like Ooh, cross them out already and feel good about myself and keep going. Well That's done. fair. <laughs> I, I have one of those for all my IEPs and ETRs for the month. And my student intern and I call it the big book of boo-boos. Of boo-boos. Uh, have you ever seen Doc McStuffins? Yes. Okay. So every time an animal that get Mike, have you watched Doc McStuffins? Unfortunately, yes. Okay. Yeah. So every time something happens, they write <laughs> in the big book of boo-boos. So that is my big book of boo-boos. We do want to hear from you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com, and you can email us, speechscience2018 at gmail.com or speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. Forgot about that part. Or give us a phone call, 614-681-1798. Coming up today, we are going to talk a little bit about Ronda Rousey. We're also, what is this? Facebook is tops among ASHA members. Social communication, that's our job. But I figured what we might start off with uh, is the story out of the Express and Star. It was about a stroke survivor who felt lost when she was sent home 
uh, from the hospital. And I know from working in home care, this is a pretty big deal that when I see patients, they come home and they don't know what they can or can't do. They know what they've just went through is, is pretty major. They may have lost physical control. They may not have complete control of their memories or word finding. And then they get sent into their home and say, okay, home care is going to give you a call here in a couple of days. Be safe. And it didn't sound like in this article in Northern Ireland, I was unclear if they had home care available for them. Hmm. I'm not I was sure. Thinking the same thing. Because I know that sometimes that's not followed through here in the States with the appropriate time that is written for or required by medical professionals. But I'm, I have no idea in Northern Ireland. Well, I know it's weird in, in, in Ohio. That's where I'm working at and do home care is that the rules on, on home care are very particular. So like if you can technically home care is you're not able to leave the house at all. And that's why people come into your home to do home therapy. Mm -hmm. But if it's you live by yourself and the only way to get groceries is you have to take yourself to the grocery store and it's taxing and requires a large amount of rest and is overly difficult, you would still qualify for home care. Okay. Which makes sense. And they say like, if you have to go to church, that could count. But if like your son picks you up to take you to your son, your grandson's baseball game, that's not homebound. Okay. Unless they are unable to take you to the doctor's office during the middle of the week. So it gets very convoluted very quickly here in the States. Yeah. There's, there's rules in each state as to what, what defines homebound. So I guess my question for, for speech therapy land, before I get too much into the home care, do you guys have, I, I know you guys don't necessarily work with like stroke patients, but in general, do you have like a discharge plan set up for for your, your clients that so that they don't feel so lost when they get, home or discharged or, or anything like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely uh, keep in touch with the families, keep in touch with whoever I can. And you have to provide that clear discharge plan, uh, whether it's stroke or something as basic as articulation. You know, different things for parents to watch out for and practice at home to make sure there's functional carryover to full independence. So providing a, a clear discharge plan and a method of communication outside of therapy is I think is crucial. Yeah. Well, I mean, I worked PRN with home healthcare in Texas and uh, I know we always had to have some, part of their discharge was looking at, do they have, you know, is it, are, are they living by themselves? Are they living with family? Do they have a, ch a child who could take care of them as an, an adult child? Um, what, you know, what follow-up care do we have available? Because we were pretty limited with how long we could keep them on, um, on weekly, weekly services. Michael, I was interested. You said you keep in contact. How, how often is it? And like, is it that they call you or do you call them? Well, this is, this is through private practice. So right, obviously, right, right, right. obviously it's much more personal, you know, as opposed to, you know, some other aspects. But it's not necessarily me like reaching out, you know, it depends obviously on the severity of the patient, and the client, uh, but you do always, you know, provide your number, provide your email so they can reach out to you in any way, shape or form. 
uh, and you really do try to stay with them as long as you can to kind of, you know, to kind of be that resource. I do find it interesting when I go into, you just said it was very personal. When I do home care and I go into someone's house, like at first you're looked at, and I don't know if this is the same way in private practice, but in home care, I'm looked at as kind of, I don't want to say the enemy, but I am definitely looked at as an outsider coming into their home because here's this, this random person who's saying, yeah, you can't do this. You can't do that. You're home care. So you're not allowed to leave. Uh, you know how your son took you to Wendy's. Yeah, you can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. And then usually within about a month, maybe the end of the first certification period, uh, it's, it's how are the kids? How's everything going? How's your coaching going? Where do you have to go after this? Where's your coat? Like <laughs> it, it becomes very personal. So I could see how, how keeping in contact, but I guess I'm a little concerned about just, there is no like follow up between discharge. And I know this is coming out of Ireland, but uh, there's no, there's very little connection between the hospital and the home care company. And especially if a patient declines it, it's almost like there's no one else to follow up except the, the PCP, the primary care physician. Mm-hmm. What the, the line in that article that stuck with me was the quote that said, no stroke survivor should be abandoned. And mm-hmm. a, specifically to Northern Ireland, and I know the numbers are higher just because of the sheer size of the U.S., uh, every year in Northern Ireland, 4,000 people have a stroke, and there are 1,000 stroke-related deaths. So there's more than 37,000 stroke survivors in Northern Ireland. And according to this article, the preferred follow-up is 45 minutes of PTOT and speech therapy that they should be getting. And it sounds like there's, they're being like falling through the cracks to use that, that term. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know how many times, like I'll get, I'll get an order. I work for a couple different home care companies and they'll be like, uh, so this person's been discharged for six weeks from the hospital and we couldn't find anyone to cover. So can you cover this as the speech therapy eval? And it's like six weeks walk in and they're, they're unable to state wants and needs. And you go, Oh my gosh, like how did we fail? Or how did your doctor fail? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's a, that's a life changing event we're talking about. We need the OTs to help mm-hmm. them read, reestablish routines for daily activities and and being back in their homes we need the speech pathologist to help them communicate once and needs we need those therapies and if half the almost half the people based on this article 45 percent of stroke survivors feel abandoned when they leave the hospital i believe and and let's not forget northern ireland does have universal health care do they really yes they do so it's uh you know which certainly has its pros and cons so yep, absolutely. So in terms of, you know, being able to have that follow through, maybe that's one of the cons. Fair enough. Well, we want to hear from you. Head over to our new website, speechsciencepodcast.com. And on there, you can email us uh, speechscience2018 at gmail.com or speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. Or give us a phone call, 614-681-1799. Eight. I did, uh, just so you guys know, I invited Lucas Stuber onto the show today because he is back in the States and he says he was unable to join us tonight, but he sends us well wishes uh, on our oh, 66th Lucas, episode. we miss you. Yeah, he's doing good things over at Toby. Yeah, definitely. So, yes, he is. 
Hey, Matt, I did just find on Medicare.gov the definition of homebound. Okay. That you must be homebound to receive those services, and a doctor must certify that. You're not eligible for a home health benefit. If you need more than part-time or intermittent skilled nursing care, you may leave the home for medical treatment or short, infrequent absences for non-medical reasons, like attending religious services. You can still get home health care if you attend adult daycare. Yeah, and it's very vague. It's those short, intermittent. Um, I I was doing the podcast when I had this patient, and I've always asked her if I could tell her the story, and she was like, have me on the air. I'll tell the story in person. And I was like, I don't <laughs> think that's good. But she would always tell me. One, she was like, Matt, one of these days, I'm just going to drive to the store, and no one's going to stop me. And I'm like, patient, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> I don't think you're safe. And she fought me tooth and nail. And I come over and she had made me a big plate of cookies with a note that said, you're right. And I was like, I don't like where this is going. And I was like, hey, patient, what happened? Why was I right? And she goes, well, so after my kids left, I found the hidden key that they thought I didn't know about. And I was determined to go to the store to make you cookies. And I was like, oh, no. And she's like, so I backed out of my driveway and T-boned my neighbor's car. Then when I tried to get out, like get it out of the road, I then ran over my mailbox and I was like, oh, oh no, what happened? She's like, it's okay. It gets worse. And I was like, oh, how does it, how does it get worse? Well, evidently she hit the cart corral at the Kroger's and then got lost for two hours on the way home. All for cookies for All you, for cookies man. for me. Because she thought that she could run to the store, make the cookies, and then say, listen, I don't need home health care anymore. And instead, she was like, okay, I believe what you're saying. I do need home health care. And I was like, oh, you could have just called me. I would have picked up the cookie material for you. Like, it's a great story. Yeah, that is why they're homebound. All right, the next story coming out of the Asha Wire. This one's a little bit older. This one's, I believe, is a November 2018 article uh, talking about social communication disorder. And it says, this is our baby SLPs. But in reality, how many times are we pushing off things that are in our field into other situations? I know a lot of times I'm very quick to try to to determine if the social situation that I'm looking at is an actual disorder or if it's just goofy kids and they don't need speech therapy. Uh, and I, sometimes I, I fall into the trap where I'm looking at the label and go, Oh, well they have autism or Nope, they don't have autism. That must not be a social communication disorder. Yeah. In my, in my personal opinion, you know, not, not professional opinion, personal opinion. Uh, I really think the vast majority of teenagers, especially teenage boys, could use some type of speech therapy, social coaching. A absolutely. Yes. But when you're in a school and there's caseloads and caseload caps and other IEPs and other disabilities happening, that's when these kids need to, you know, not quite be labeled and brought into this. You know, that's just that's a, a matter of fact. If there were more speech therapists, more funding, more resources, yes, we could do all those things and have more structured social groups and better training for social thinking and things like that. But I think our specific training that we go through in grad school to teach pragmatic language, I think it's second to none compared to any field. So we should absolutely be working with these kids. It's just a matter of resources. Agreed. 
I like how the article talks about five concepts for why as SLPs we need to we need to dive into this. We need to not avoid it or kind of brush it off or think, like you said, that it's just autism spectrum disorders because especially with that new, um, you know, the DSM identification of social communication disorder, we can take care of some of those kids who maybe don't have autism, right? Don't have that diagnosis of autism and um, but still need speech therapy supports. I have that social skills classroom that I'm working on every Tuesday. And I would say half the class has autism diagnosed and half does not. And I'll say that some of the best discussion happens from the kids that I never would have pinged as directly requiring my service where they say, you know, we, what we were talking about. Oh, we were talking about um, last week. We were talking about the different bubbles that you could classify somebody in. So a family, a friend, a significant other, an enemy, and a stranger. And it was just basics. And one of the kids just said, well, how would you classify a friend that you treat like a brother? And I was like, hmm. huh. Nice. Well, they, that you said brother, so that's family. And then another person was like, well, what if it's your dad, but he left your mom and you hate him? And you're like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's an enemy or a stranger. And it, it was just, wow, I didn't even th think that the discussion was going to that in-depth. I was going to be like, we don't tell our friends our secrets and we don't tell our family, blah, blah. You know, I thought it was going to be that superficial. And, and the kids are better clinicians than I am. But that's great. I mean, that's perfect social communication right there they're leading it and interacting with each other and asking those questions way to go SLP Matt. And that is a great example of why the more severe kids need those positive peer models of kids, mm -hmm. that, kids that do have greater language abilities. Um, even if a child's nonverbal, I I've always been a big believer in having them around peers with greater language. So those quirky kids who may not qualify for an IEP, but have little social issues Matt's story is a perfect example of what they're capable of and what they can bring to a social group, not only to improve their own social skills, but also to improve others. It's interesting. I'm not going to, I don't think I correctly knew what I was getting into with this social skills classroom because like my small group, social skills groups are all kids directly on IEPs. This social skills classroom are kids that people believe need a little bit of help. And there's only a few kids that are actually directly serviced by me. So it's definitely interesting. That's for sure. That's great. I That was one of my favorite things to do. It was during my clinical, actually, my externship in a school where we went in and did whole classroom activities. So it wasn't just the child that was on the IEP. Um, we had a chance to work with the whole class on that social communication part. And um I don't know. I think you can have a lot of benefit with those peer models, just like Mike said. I agree. I feel like all I'm saying is I agree because you guys are so smart. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> You're welcome. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. It's the new one. And you can email uh, speechscience2018 at gmail.com or speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. Or give us a phone call, 614-681-1798. Or if you're a typer on Twitter, it's hashtag speech science or at speech science 
PC. That's where we'll find you. Coming up after the break, what does the WWE's Ronda Rousey, Facebook, and speech therapy all have in common? You'll find out right after this. This podcast is brought to you by Pearson, the company behind the self, GFTA, and the brand new PPVT5 and EVT3. These new easy-to-use vocabulary assessments are brief and reliable for two years, six months old, to those 90 and beyond. Learn more about these new tests at pearsonclinical.com slash exceptional. That's pearsonclinical.com slash E-P-T-I-O-N-A-L. Welcome back to episode 66 of the Speech Science Podcast. I'm Matt Hot, joined around the country, well, really just a three-state area, by Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? How are you, my friend? Doing well. Good. And Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. Hi, Michelle. Oh, hi. Oh, Hi. I just realized that we're all like within like one, two interstate, one interstate exchange away from each other. It's true. We should get together and do it a live recording all in one place. I'm okay with that. We should do that. I'm happy to host. We can do it at Columbus. I would have to wear pants. (laughs) So funny story. I, uh, I used to work in TV as like the director, newscast director and our sports guy would always like wear the most obnoxious colored like short shorts that he could to try to mess up all the anchors behind the desk. And then when he would do his stand-ups, like the where he would stand at the monitor, we would have to get it so that we would not have to see his weird pants the entire time. <laughs> I I kind of like this guy. That's a great. And idea. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna shout him out, Emerson Lazia, who helped me win my. Uh, Fantasy football, that's who I'm talking about. He's over on DraftKings now doing their sports show. But still, he wears pants now on air. So I'm I was gonna happy say, to see that. He's still wearing bright shorts. He wears pants now. So, Michael, you'd be in his company. Yes, I would. Uh, what is your social media of choice, Michael? Uh, Instagram. Michelle? I like Pinterest and Facebook. Is Pinterest a social skill? It's like a social thing? I think yeah. I mean, you're you're uh, adding things from other people that they've posted. You don't interact as much, but that's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm not on Pinterest, so I have no idea what that is. And I am liking Instagram more and more. So there that's you go, fair. Mike. That's the younger one. Facebook. I've been told by more and more kids that I work with that it's for old people. Again, is that's it- because we were there when Facebook started. I don't know <laughs> about you guys, but I was in the first like hundred schools that be on Facebook. Exactly. My Facebook now is nothing but SLPs yelling at each other. So yeah, yeah but SLP stuff I, I use all the time on my Facebook. Good transition or accidental right answer, Michael. Asha and uh, the Asha wire says that 77% of uh, Asha members, social media use is on Facebook followed by 51% on Pinterest, 42 on LinkedIn, and then 37 on Instagram before falling off the map for Snapchat, Twitter, and other. There I don't know what go. other is. Instagram and Pinterest are both on there too. So my question is, how much is too much on Facebook or on social media for therapy? I mean, Michael, you're part of these groups, and I've seen these same posts. And Michelle, are you part of the groups? 
Yeah, I'm in a lot of speech pathology groups or just therapist groups in general. Sometimes I wonder if if we're oversharing what we're doing in the therapy realm. Um, yeah, how much is too much for social media? Truthfully, I don't post on there. I tend to just read. That's safe. <laughs> yeah, I think as long as there's no uh, confidential private health information, I think, you know, kind of using Facebook to vent to people that actually know what your life is like. I, you know, I, I certainly feel for these people. I, I've definitely read things that I certainly would not have posted. Right. But, but it, it does seem to be quite, uh, quite therapeutic to some people. I know I got into an argument one time with somebody where they said that they plan. The only time that they plan for their students is from the moment they leave their office to the time they pick the kid up from the door. And I got, I, I was just like, that. yeah, were you part, did you see where I like blew up on that one? And then they called me the bad guy. Yeah. You got pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. You're such a pun. Mike's person. so good at throwing in those puns. I love that pun. But like, no, like, I feel like we've got to be careful. Like there, it's a difference between I'm posting something that I'm saying, ah, job, work is hard to my friends. And then professionally like there's supervisors in these social groups like potential jobs i mean you got to be careful and follow hipaa and be professional oh yeah and hipaa be ethical and professional and follow hipaa (laughs) yeah just use social media for the memes just get a good laugh and then go home hey I also, I think another great reason to use Pinterest because people don't get in arguments on Pinterest. They just share resources. That's true. That is true. That is a good one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I saw this and I thought it was interesting because it seems like me and Facebook have a tendency to, uh, how do I put this? Get in arguments all the time. I don't really get why Asha did this poll to begin with. So that way they can tell everybody what it is. It says 59% of audiologists used LinkedIn compared to the 41% of SLPs. And is that using the social media for work for professional reasons or for? I I have no idea. I hope it's for work. Platform for personal or professional reasons. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Which social media are you using? Are you on our Facebook page or are you on our Twitter? Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. And from there, you can email us, speechscience2018 at gmail.com or speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com or give us a phone call, 614-681-1798. I thought this was an interesting interview with Ronda Rousey, and then we'll talk about it because Michelle or Michael, you brought it up in our group chat this week? Yep. I forget which one did that. It was Michelle. Ah, Michelle. I'm a big wrestling fan, Michael. You make fun of me, but that's okay. I can I take never, it. I never made fun of you, man. <laughs> the you. baddest woman on the planet, Ronda Rousey, in a recent interview, opened up about her opened up again about her motor speech, as they claimed it, the motor speech uh, disorder. I guess I never realized the first time through that she she had this. Had what was it? Apraxia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Apraxia of speech. She's, uh, I believe in her book, she mentions it as well, but doesn't call it by apraxia. She learned later that that's the, uh, you know, official name. Yeah, I, uh, I remember I was working with a young boy with apraxia and his mom 
stated that she was trying to reach out to her to set up some events and things like that. And that's when I was like, oh, really? She had a praxia. I had no idea. And then I remember that she had joined the WWE, uh, I guess, a year later or whatever. And I remember hearing about, and obviously WWE is, you know, scripted and you get on the microphone you know all that so it's it's not just wrestling you have to be have to have a whole persona and talk on the microphone and that sort of stuff so i heard that her the promos that she was cutting Mm -hmm. uh were not exactly as good as the rocks so the way i describe it to my wife it is a soap opera with stunt actors just so you know but no i the thing is is that i like it and i like watching it with my son i I do my sons because it's good guy bad guy it's storytelling and you know whatever but what i'm not a big fan of is that they're having the heel okay in wrestling there's a face which is the good guy and the heel which is the bad guy and for example hulk hogan was always the biggest face until he became a bad guy then he was a heel well, they have the heel characters make too sweet me, right, Michael? Too sweet me. <laughs> they have the heel characters making fun of Ronda Rousey and the way she talks. And as a speech therapist, it really sets me to the side because they're doing it just to make her look better, the heel or the face to look better and the heel to look worse. But it's it's that whole idea of there's a lot of impressionable minds. And afterwards, I have to tell my son, I'm like, oh, we don't make fun of people like that, right? Well, I mean, that's a good, you're using it as a teaching opportunity with your son, so that's a good thing. I remember back in the day, uh, I, I think it was Gold Dust pretended to have a stutter. Remember that? Yes. The, no, the lisp. The lisp. I think it was a stutter. Was it a stutter? It was a stutter. Huh. Look it up. Type oh, no, Dust. no. It was his yeah. dad. His dad had the real lisp. I'm sorry. Yeah. Dusty like, Rhodes. He pretended to get like electrocuted and then yeah, had right. like a fake stutter for a while. Why do I want my sons watch this stuff? Seriously, man. Uh, but no, uh, Ronda Rousey was saying that she was getting made fun of by the fans because uh, she called it Messalania instead of WrestleMania. I'd love her on the show, though. Hey, and she talks about a story of uh, her mom sending a video of her in a school play to her speech pathologist who couldn't believe it was the same kid after she'd been through therapy. What up, Ronda Rousey? And in good news, uh, she defeated Ruby Riot via submission this weekend on Elimination Chamber, so she is still the Raw Women's Champion. For anyone who was was wondering, I just wanted you to know that. Ruby Riot. Yeah. She was dressed up as Sonya Blade from Street Fighter. Oh. That's kind of cool. See, I'm nerdy, and so is Ronda Rousey. But one of us could make everyone in the room cry, and the other is me. Just saying. <laughs> oh, I got no other good news to end the show on. Do you guys have anything fun or exciting to end the show on? Probably There's a lot of pressure. <laughs> nope. All right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe I might be editing this on Wednesday with our snow day. Oh, let's send this puppy home. Michael McLeod, what do you got going on this week? Uh, pretty much absolutely nothing. Just working, working, and seeing how the weather is. Michelle, how about you? Uh, yeah, waiting for this weather to roll <laughs> in and see what happens. And, um, you know, figuring out my next steps for potential work and our time here in Kentucky. We're going to do some hiking this week if the weather is good. Exploring. It won't be. 
Red River Gorge. <gasps> I love Red River Gorge. That's where I punched a bear or a fox. <laughs> I'm not sure what it was. There's got to be a good story. With so this I was backpacking and my buddy and I were camping up on a ridge and I love Red River Gorge. I go out to like Indian Staircase and do all that. And in the middle of the night, it was hot. So we had our tent, the bottom of our tent cracked open. And I hear this like sniffing around. And I was like, I'm like half asleep. And I thought it was my cat so or dog. So I like I swung my hand over my head to kind of like, get away, animal. I'm sleeping here and this is my bed. And I hit the nose of an animal that was in the middle of the night. It felt like it was the entire size of the back of my hand. I woke up very quickly here, this big old animal lumbering away. And in my mind, I punched a bear. It might've been a fox or a raccoon, but in my mind, it was a bear. You still punched a wild animal. I did. I more like backhanded an animal that was in the middle of my sleep. Get out of here, crazy animal. This is my tent. Well, that's where I'll be later this week. Well, good luck. If you see him, tell him I'm sorry and I apologize. I'll be sure to ask the bear if it's the same (laughs) bear that's on that hot. Hold on a second. For real, though, like if you go down there and this sounds like something really stupid, but there's a lot of people that die at Red River Gorge every summer. And I'm not joking. A lot of people die there. Two things. Watch your surroundings. Those cliffs give way. And for the love of God, don't take a selfie with a bear in the background. Oh my goodness. I did live in Colorado for five years. so True. I don't know there. why. Maybe it's just like, in a, like a ton of crazy people die in Kentucky. That makes me nervous. <laughs> if I'm not on the podcast, man. <laughs> Before we go, I got one quick question, and this should take no more than five seconds each. This is the last therapy question I asked today to my patient. If you were to do a major heist, what would you steal, and which celebrity would you have on your team? Oh, wow. That's a great one. Well, Brad Pitt because of Ocean's Eleven. Thank you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Michael? Weird celebrity. Oh, my God. I have no idea. That's that's a, that's a tough one. Maybe, uh, what's the guy's name? Christian Bale. Batman. The Dark Knight. Or, Dan, or, or uh, Dick Cheney from the movie Vice. Got it. And what know. would you steal? Uh... Old tool video games like GameCube, 64. Michelle? All the gold at Fort Knox. There we go. Uh, (laughs) I said I would take George Clooney from Ocean's Eleven and we would be stealing the Mona Lisa. I'm just saying. The Mona Lisa. All right. Yeah, there we go. Our intro music tonight was Please Listen Carefully by Jazar. It's licensed under an attribution and share alike license. The bump music was The Spellbreaker by Tritachion, licensed under an attribution license. And the closing music, The Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod, playing underneath of us, licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, be a willow because in times of uh, tragedy or times of, I can't think of the word, I'm having an aphasia moment. Not tragedy, pressure. Times of pressure, this is staying into the show because Matt is tired. In times of pressure, the oak will crack, but the willow will just bend and return to shape. For Michael McLeod and Michelle Wintering, you're listening to Speech Science Podcast. I'm Matt Hot. Deuces.
This has been an Exceptional Podcast Network production. Speech Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. For more original podcasts, please visit ExceptionalEd.com and rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.